Man, is it good to be back here in studio. At least for me it is, and I know for Nick DeLuca, who is behind the board today, it's good to be back in studio. Jimmy Sullivan's here, and he's been in studio. I'm always here. (laughs) Jimmy Sullivan lives in Studio 3 of the (laughs) WFUV offices. Guys, how was the rest of break? It was great. I uh, did some uh, traveling, had a lot of fun, got to watch Clemson destroy Alabama. Nick, how about, how about you? How was break? Break was good. I am happy to be back and in person <laughs> for a change. It's been weird trying to call in, but I also enjoyed seeing my pick come to fruition and Clemson beat down on Alabama. And the rest of my break was pretty good. I, Although I did not pick the per- correct winner of the national championship game, at least I was on a tropical island where <laughs> where things couldn't have been in, couldn't have been better. Um, so, let's get into this championship game. It really ended up not being anything remotely close to what we thought it could be. Um, 44-16, Clemson over Alabama was the final score, and outside of, let's call it the first, first quarter and then the first drive of the second quarter for Alabama, it wasn't particularly close. And before I get your thoughts, let me just say, when Alabama's first drive ended in that pick six, I kind of knew that's how the rest of the game was going to go. Really? Yeah. I was I was sitting there thinking, all right, two is going to come back. And he did. First yeah. play of the next yeah, first drive. Play the next drive. Bomb to Jerry Judy. Yeah, it was crazy. Alabama's never been beaten like that under no, Nick Saban. Worst loss Nick Saban has ever suffered. It, I'm pretty sure it doubled the the margin of yeah. score that he had ever lost by at Alabama. You want me to drop some knowledge? Sure. Let's get some knowledge. All right, I'm going to drop some knowledge. That is the worst loss that Nick Sa- a Nick Saban team has experienced since 2006. Okay, they lost in 2006 when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins 21 to nothing. Against the Buffalo Bills. Oh, of course it is. Okay, but I'm not finished. <laughs> the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills that day was J.P. Lossman. Ask Who? me where J.P. Lossman is right now. Uh, is he playing in that Alliance of American Football? No, no. He is, is, he a, on the, is he on the Clemson football coaching staff? He is a staff? coaching intern oh, at Clemson. Got it. So wow. the moral of the story is that Nick Saban's kryptonite is J.P. Lossman. <laughs> I, I knew it all along, and I just didn't want to say it. Right. Okay. So, what went wrong for Alabama in this game? Uh, really, it's funny too because we were talking before the show. If you look at the numbers, even for <laughs> yeah, basically relatively, but it's just every time Alabama made a mistake, Clemson pounced. And the red zone defense for Clemson was tremendous. They stopped a fake field goal, which was incredibly stupid because they were lined up in fake and had, and they had the kicker be the lead blocker which Cle- I, Clemson's I, defense was lined up as that if was they his punishment knew. for missing the field goal earlier <laughs> like Clemson knew that fake field goal was coming and Nick Saban was still like yeah go ahead and do it like what he got out coached because at that point I don't remember exactly what the score was at the time of that fake field goal but you would have been three points closer no yeah I it, look you have that and then my other favorite was they had a fourth and goal. I think it was 37-16 at that point. It was late in the third. They ran a, a fourth and goal. They ran the same play when Notre Dame played Clemson three years ago, and they were going for two to tie the game, and Deshaun Kaiser just ran right and hoped for the best. They did the same thing. They just flipped it. It was a, ter- it was a terrible play call. Tua lost, I think, five yards on the play. It was just an awful call. I mean, Mike Loxley had an awful game, but, but, man, hats off to Clemson. That team 
has emerged as the second legitimate superpower in college football. I think they're on I think they're on a level plane with Alabama. I really do. And I think with how young they are, with all the guys they have coming back, they've got every chance to repeat. Frankly, I think it's going to be the same two teams next year. I I don't see any team it. which yeah, I I'm not complaining about that either. I just don't see anybody coming up to dethrone either one of those teams. But hats off to Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. Oh my lord, he would be the best quarterback in this draft if he went in this draft. Yep. But easy. He'd he's, be, he'd be a somebody would trade up for that number 1 pick and take him right now. Yeah. That being said, the hype on him next year is going to be unreal. He's mm-hmm. going to have to figure out how to handle that, but wow. I so, mean, he was so impressive. So Nick Alabama shut out in the second half. Is that more of the poor offensive coaching from Alabama, or is that just how good Clemson's defense really is? I think it's a combination of both. I don't think Alabama was necessarily in position to even be shut out in the second half. I think it's a product of some of the early turnovers and them falling behind. And then when you're trying to play catch-up, you can get out of your game plan a little bit. They did. I didn't love, maybe that's an understatement, I hated the way Mike Loxley called that game. And getting away from the run as soon as he did and in the times that he did and the spots that he did, I I didn't understand that at all. But at the same time, hats off to Clemson for being so good in the red zone. And then when you're not able to kick field goals in the second half because you have to score touchdowns to to stick with Clemson in the rate that they were scoring, you get that sort of result. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things, and it was poor play calling. It was a good job by Clemson in terms of play calling and game plan and just being stout in the red zone. That front seven was excellent. And you fall behind, and that's the nature of the beast sometimes. So this is where we stand heading into next season. Clemson, the first ever undefeated college football playoff champion. They are going to be going through a little bit of a change, at least on their defensive side, because they are losing both Dexter Lawrence and Cleland Farrell. Farrell? I forget how I, they... I believe, I believe I heard... Farrell? I could be wrong. I heard it's Furl. 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 Mm, I don't like that one. I don't either. But. <laughs> but, I think it's for real. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he is. He, right. Yes. He, he is projected to be drafted ahead of Dexter Lawrence. Uh, that might be due to Lawrence's uh, suspension in the playoff. And I might think that Farrell's better. Maybe. Just, yeah. just maybe. But... What are the chances, because it's always hard to predict this, but what are the chances that Clemson could once again be the next undefeated national champion? Uh, undefeated's going to be tough. You know, This year was kind of weird in that you had Clemson, Bama, and Notre Dame all going into the playoff undefeated. I say that although the ACC is such that maybe it isn't. I don't know. I mean, they do have to go to Syracuse. You figure, I guess, Syracuse is going to be good again. I mean, the ACC is just kind of very down right now, and and Clemson sort of distracted everybody from that, I think, because, you know, who's the second-best team in the ACC? I don't know. (laughs) Pitt. 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 Might be Pitt. I mean, based on this year, it's it's Pittsburgh. Right. But who knows if – are we allowed – since the season's over, can we go back to calling them by name, or are they still the team from Tallahassee? Because in my mind – yeah, it's team, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they deserve it yet. No. But <laughs> I, I don't see anybody competing with them in the ACC, but they could drop a game somewhere in there. That being said, their chance to win the national title, I, I would have them even with Alabama. And then I would have those two so far ahead of everybody else right now because I don't see, you know, there's a bunch of teams 
that are going to be competing for third and fourth. Because after Clemson and Alabama, there's a lot of parity. Oh, yeah. There's tons of parity. But, you know, who's going to be the team that dethrones Clemson or Alabama? Is it going to be Georgia? Maybe. Could, I mean, it could be. They, they might have the best chance out yeah. of anybody, but then they got to play Alabama at least once. At least once, yeah. If not twice. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at teams maybe like in Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. How's that going to go? I don't think that's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go. We'll talk more about that later, but there's a fair amount of uncertainty there. I mean, they. I think right now, I wouldn't say they're the favorites. I think Alabama is going to come back from this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see how they don't. No, I, I don't think this meant like a death knell for no. the dynasty or no. anything. But I think I would have Clemson and Alabama like co-favorites right now, if that makes sense, and then put everybody else down. I 100% agree. Um, maybe Georgia is a little bit more relevant. I would watch for Texas A&M as well. Yep. Coming year back two, the Jimbo second Fisher. year for Jimbo. And I'm looking at the recruiting rankings right now. They're number three. So yeah. They had a very good yep. recruiting class. So Jimbo does a good job there. So an eye out for them. Maybe LSU factors into the conversation a little bit. They had a good year, again, towards the top of the recruiting rankings. Because I feel like that's really where you have to look to sort of see in the way that the – not the NFL, but college football is trending, it's a lot of young players. You mm-hmm. see Trevor Lawrence come in and Ross come in and just light it up, and even Tua as a freshman last year, right? So you see a lot – Jake Fromm even at, at Georgia. So you're seeing a lot of young players come in and make impacts right away. So I would keep an eye on the recruiting classes, and that's what that tells me. So still, at the end of the day, Clemson was at six – in the recruiting, but they've got so many young players right now. You've got Trevor Lawrence still. You've got the quarterback. You've got the receiver. You have the lineman coming back. So they'll have some work to do defensively, but Alabama will too. They have had mm-hmm. how many guys you know declare for the NFL draft as well. So it'll be interesting to see how both of these teams sort of regroup and make a push for another game that I can't wait to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm also with you guys. I think that Alabama and Clemson are going to be far and away the two best teams next year, and they're probably destined for another national championship game unless something gets wonky and they have to play each other in a playoff bowl game. But by the way, I just want to say before we end, I want to congratulate Clemson on their hamburgers. Oh, <laughs> they're yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess since we're going there, we're gonna go there. How are you feeding? Elite college athletes, elite college champions. Wendy's. Cold, stale fast food as a billionaire. Hey, I mean, you know, this. I know we don't like to get. Gotta, the government's shut down. Things got to go. I know we don't like to get political on <laughs> no, this no, show because no, 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 no. that's not what we're here for, but there comes a point. Oh, I know. Right? Come on. <laughs> So so once again, hats off to Clemson. They played the perfect game. Only they could have beaten Alabama this year. That We knew that going into the season. We kind of figured that this was going to be the inevitable matchup. It happened, and while the game itself might, may have disappointed, it was another great year of college football. And now we get to move into kind of uh, the badlands of, of the college football offseason and of the college gridiron show. Um but thankfully, this past week has been bountiful with news for for us to to go over, and I think the best place to start with off season news is the situation surrounding Kyler Murray. 
we've talked about it a couple times on the show. We thought that as soon as his season was over, he was going to gear up and get ready to go get that baseball money. And then all of a sudden, he tweets that he is declaring for the NFL draft, which is something that no one expected because he wasn't on draft boards, he wasn't in mock drafts, but now there's a legitimate shot that he gets picked not only in the first round, but he might be a top 10 talent in this year's NFL draft. So, so Nick, what does this Kyler Murray news not only mean for him, but what does it mean for this upcoming draft? Well, I will start by saying that I am maybe not as surprised as some other people. Oh, I, I am I shocked. I fully expected this. I am shocked. I thought because the... I think I thought that Oakland made a mistake by allowing him. You know, you talk about all the time. You want to hire somebody, you don't let him leave the building. Well, they let him leave the building if they really wanted him. That's that's point. But number did one. they? He signed a contract for them. Sure, but he could always then have chosen to go play football. I just think that letting him leave the building was a bad idea. So that's point number one. Point number two is that he would have been foolish, in my opinion, not to declare for the NFL draft because he still has the option to go sign with Oakland regardless. So he's just putting out a feeler right now to try and figure out where he would be selected and everything else and get a gauge from NFL teams and whatever. Um so there's a lot of talk about a, a lot of things when this conversation, baseball versus football, comes up. And I can't speak for Kyler Murray and what his interests are, right? If he loves one over the other, that's what he's going to do. I, you know, I'm not going to fault him either way. I won't. That's, that's not what I'm here for. I would say if I were advising him, however, that he should go play football yeah. because he is – in my opinion, a better football player than he is a baseball player. And he was very good at Oklahoma playing baseball and had all the tools and everything else. But at the end of the day, the last season that Kyler Murray played at Oklahoma, he didn't bat 300. So he hit he hit 296, just a touch under. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, so, just an average that would get him into the Hall of Fame. Sure, but that's in the Big 12, yeah, not in the major yeah, leagues. obviously. So yeah. then you, you go down the line, right? So he's not he he's not a Bryce Harper type or a, even now is the, the latest edition of the 18-year-old that goes and plays in the major leagues is Juan Soto. He plays for the Nationals. He's not either of those players, okay? So he's going to take a while to get to the major leagues. It's not going to be, oh, I'm just going to go in two years. It, it'll take a while. He's not that type of prospect. So then you go down the road two years, three years, four years, whatever, if he even makes it to the major leagues. So you're a top 10 pick. That doesn't guarantee you in Major League Baseball that you're going to the major leagues. There have been plenty of busts at number one, you know, you number one, number two, you know, top 10, whatever, and plenty of guys. Mike Piazza was, what, a, a 30th round draft pick or something like that? So it's not, it's not a guarantee. It's not like football where you're, you're in top 10, you're pretty good. So at the end of the day, if Kyler Murray were to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL, he guarantees himself this is the contract that Lamar Jackson signed. He guaranteed, Lamar did, as the last pick in the first round, $9 million straight. He's getting five from Oakland right now. So he can, and, and I think he'd be a higher pick than Lamar Jackson, but I don't see him falling out of the first round if he's in the draft, right? So he is guaranteeing himself more money a chance to earn that money, a chance to go forward and make more money, I think 
in terms of uh, unless he's a star in baseball, I think that's a big misconception. A lot of money out there, but you got to be really good in baseball. I don't know if he's if his potential's there. And Jamie, just before we get your thoughts on that, I want to clear some things up there. He Kyler Murray has been in discussion with the Oakland Athletics about signing a new contract that's worth up to, if not capped, at fifteen million dollars, which is all guaranteed, which right. is not something he will get in football. Sure. And but I'm talking ten guaranteed. Yeah, right now guaranteed. at least. Yeah. But he's and if he played out the yeah. the rest of the contract, it'd be probably yes, twenty or something. Something like that. But he, to be fair to him, he was a top ten draft pick in the MLB, which in the MLB draft, which means that. Somebody saw something in him that they think will translate to the professional level and translate at a high level. But here's my biggest thing, okay? If he goes and he bombs out in the NFL, can't play too short, whatever, every concern that there is with Kyler Murray, he could still go play baseball. We just saw Tim Tebow do it. So I'm not saying it's the best case scenario. I'm not saying it's the best. But if he goes and plays baseball, he has shut the door on football. He's not going back to do it the other way. So that's my thing. I would... You're gonna make more money, whatever. Again, if he if he is not okay with the health risks that come with it, then go play baseball. You know that's fine. I, I'm not gonna blame him for that either. But that's that's just where I sit. So Kyler Murray played in the Cape Cod League in 2017 before he went to uh, Oklahoma, back to Baker Mayfield that year. Got 47 at bats for the Harwich Mariners. You know what he hit? 170. And he struck out 21 times in 47 ABs. That's not good. That being said, I'm going to disagree with you, Nick. I would say go play baseball. And I, I say it not from a financial point of view, but from a physical and mental point of view. Because I, I look at these retired players, right? You know, you have anybody you want. They either can barely walk. They have issues in their mind and CTE and all that stuff. And... I'm not saying that would happen to Kyler. I'm not saying he would, like, definitely get hurt because in baseball, you know, he could take a pitch to the head and then that's it too. But that's $5 million on the table, guaranteed. And you're not sure. I mean, I don't know if he's gotten an evaluation yet from the NFL draft. I think he's a first-round talent. but I would assume he is. But there's, I think there's some degree of, of it being a crapshoot there. I, I think that's a risk to take. And I just think if if somebody walked up to me with $5 million, I'd take it. Yeah. So I, I think he's played this perfectly. I love how he's going into the draft and leaving all his options open. But if it's me and I look at the state of football players, you know, 20, 30 years after they retire, I'm going and playing baseball, man. And I read an article, too, where I think they talked to – I don't remember if Brian Jordan or Deion Sanders said it, but it was one of the two sport guys. And he said, yeah, if I was advising Kyler Murray, go play baseball. Deion Sanders went on Sports Center yeah. and was straight up said, go play baseball, young man. You will have a better life for it. And I'm I'm a thousand percent with you, Jimmy. And it's it's not only for the health reasons; it's for the finances as well. Baseball players make ludicrous money, even ones that aren't really that good. I mean, Carlos Santana hit what two two fifty in this past season. Chris Davis hit one forty this season with a thousand strikeouts and is still making thirty million dollars. You don't have to be an elite talent in the MLB to make a whole boatload of money. And I'm sure that's not all that's in it for him, but as you said, Jimmy, the physical aspect of baseball is a lot less taxing than the physical side of football. And that I don't want to just rehash what we've all said here. I think Kyler Murray should go play baseball. I think that he's making he's making the the obvious choice that I think a lot of people might have saw coming, even though I didn't. But 
let's kind of talk about his NFL future at this point. Jimmy, I know you said that you don't that you might not see him as a first round talent right now, even though or he might be. I think that he's a first round talent, and then based off of what he might do at the combine, should he choose to go, if he goes and throws to the combine, if he does everything at the combine, I think we might be looking at a legitimate top ten pick. So I saw a mock draft today. Now it's January, a lot's gonna change until there's gonna be trades, all that. I saw Kyler Murray going fifteen to the Redskins. I've saw I've seen one where he goes seven to Jacksonville. Okay, yeah, and if he goes fifteen, he's probably QB two at that point after Haskins, because Haskins is going to go higher. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to make a stupid trade to go up and and get him. I don't even think that. I think that Dwayne Haskins will be will most likely pick, be picked by the New York Giants, even though I disagree with it. Yeah, probably. But you know, even if there's not a trade, he's going to get taken mm-hmm. in, probably in the top. Mm-hmm. So then you say, okay, who's after that? You're looking at guys like uh, Drew Locke from Missouri. Kind of looks like Derek Carr. He's okay. Daniel Jones is a guy I want to see a little bit more of. He could be good. Will Greer, too many what-was-that throws on tape when you watch him. So now you're looking down the list and you say, ooh, there's just nothing here. I mean, there's an outside chance I think Kyler Murray could be QB1. I really do. And I, I don't think that says as much about Kyler as it just does the quarterbacks in this class very weak. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... I think he'd be a decent player in the NFL. He's got to avoid hits because he, he fits the profile of somebody like an RG3 yep. who would just get smashed. Yep. But um, I think he could be I think he could be a good player because he, he makes a lot of good throws, uh, especially the throw and, in the Orange Bowl where he stepped up and yeah. threw it downfield. And let's be fair, he is the Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, yeah. So he is a, he's an elite college football player. Will that translate to the NFL? I think the biggest thing for him is just – he needs to imp- he's he's a good he's a very good player and I'm not going to knock him for a sight cuz I think we're past that and we've seen mm-hmm. that there sure. are guys who who can do that. But my biggest thing is that of course he's going to get compared to Baker Mayfield cuz he just went to Oklahoma. But he is he's a better athlete than Baker. He's he's more mobile. But he's got to work on just as a thrower of the football and in the NFL where it's a passing league and Yes, you can run, and Lamar Jackson's done it a little bit, and we've seen it with Josh Allen and Buffalo and everything else. But eventually teams are going to figure that out, and I think that that's been always historically been a struggle going back to Michael Vick when quarterbacks run. But eventually teams will figure you out, and even if they don't, you will get in a situation. Here's Lamar Jackson, divisional round game against the Chargers, where you're in a situation where, guess what? You can't run anymore. you got to throw to bring your team back from mm-hmm. behind the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And I just – that's my biggest thing with him. I don't know that he is a good enough thrower. Of, he's not yet. Can he get there? I don't know. But I think he needs to improve just as a sheer thrower of the football in the pocket than we saw at Oklahoma against some, some higher-level competition for him to be a top-level quarterback. And then but I think he, he can do it. And then here's another question. Will this prospect of him maybe going to play baseball after the draft, will that scare teams away from drafting him in the first round? It should. Because if, 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 if I'm the New York Giants or the Jacksonville Jaguars and you're thinking about taking him at 6 or 7, right. you're, if, if he doesn't play for your team, you just threw away a top 10 pick and mm-hmm. you're going to be in the same spot next year. So that is terrifying for me as not only a fan, but it should be terrifying for NFL executives. I mean, it would scare me off in the top ten. I think if you get later in the first round, if I'm one of these teams, I would think about it. I would do it. Because I just think there's so much talent there, and and he's a really good player, and he's a guy you could develop, and you saw it with Lamar Jackson. But, yeah, it just scares you. It does. But, you know, it wouldn't – 
you know, it wouldn't be the first time you had a draft pick come in and just not be able to play for the team. I mean, I remember Deion Jordan a few years ago on the Dolphins barely ever played mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, they took him, I think, third or fourth in that draft. Third, third yeah. And he just, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, every draft pick, I think, to an extent, is a risk. I think after the top ten, I think it might be worth it. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I, I don't know. It's tough. Well, we have a lot of time to speculate and a lot of time to to keep throwing the rumor mill around. But let's get into some stuff that are not rumors anymore and... In the short amount of time that we have left, let's talk about the transfers that have happened. And it's a lot of big names that have that have decided to switch schools for one reason or another. Uh, we saw earlier in the season, Kelly Bryant left Clemson's going to Mizzou. Um, re- more recently, Justin Fields announced that he is switching from Georgia to Ohio State. He was the number one overall recruit last year, I believe. Um, and then in the past... 48, 72 hours alone, we have seen Brandon Wimbush transfer from Notre Dame to University of Central Florida. Thank you, Brandon Wimbush, for everything you've done for the University of Notre Dame. Um, Tate Martell almost immediately announced he was transferring from Ohio State and is attending the University of Miami. There are some questions about his eligibility playing next year because he was a redshirt freshman this year and you kind of got to state you faced a hardship or the NCAA is making people jump through hoops. So nothing new. Um, and then the breaking news today, Jalen Hurts officially transferring from Alabama to the University of Oklahoma. Now, that is, I think I want to start there and then we can kind of get to some other guys. Jalen Hurts to Oklahoma makes little to no sense to me. Because in my eyes, he's just another backup quarterback at that school. Um, they got the number one overall quarterback in this year's recruiting class, uh, Spencer Rattler, who I believe is going to come in and start right away. I'm sure there's going to be a QB competition, but he's the number one overall recruit for number one overall quarterback for a reason. And Jalen hurts lost his starting quarterback job and has been a backup for the past year. So why is he going to just come in and start immediately? And before we get more into that, another weird thing at the university of Oklahoma and transfer quarterbacks, they're not letting Austin Kendall transfer to West Virginia like he wants, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He's a grad student. They can't, I don't, I don't think that they should be able to tell him what to do, but What's, what's the deal with Oklahoma? Apparently, Spencer Rattler said Lincoln Riley wasn't accepting any transfer quarterbacks, and that was all fine and dandy, but now we have this. So, on paper, you're right. This doesn't make sense. Jalen Hurts is not on the level of Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. But I really think, I think there's one guy in the country who could just take anyone and make them good, and that's Lincoln Riley. And that guy is the Oklahoma head coach, and he re-upped at Oklahoma. He's not going to the NFL, it looks like, at least this year. I trust Lincoln Riley to do well with Jalen Hurts. Uh, I don't. It's going to look different. Uh, I don't know how exactly he's going to do that because he ran a different offense with Baker than he did with Kyler, and now he's going to have to run a different offense with Kyler or with Jalen than he, than he did Kyler. But I, I really trust him to make it work. I just wonder, because... 
I was looking at this on paper too, and I I was saying before the Hurts transfer, I was looking at the places he could go, and I was like, you know, Miami makes sense, Maryland makes sense. Maryland would have been perfect for Jalen. Yeah, Hurts. Maryland would have been really a, good. A very low pressure environment where he can play out his last college season and just have fun with it. He could go win eight nine games, yeah. and everybody's like, oh, this guy's a god, you know. And he goes to OU where the expect the last two guys Heisman Heisman. And they're gonna see him, and they're like, "Who is this kid? He's bad. Like, but he's not bad. But he's just low. He's not as good as the other two guys." So I thought that was that was kind of strange. But um, I still think Oklahoma's gonna be pretty good next year. I really do. I thought it was very surprising, as you guys alluded to as well. Uh, just don't think again. He is, as you said, Jimmy, on the level of a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray. And it is a different offense, and I'm not hugely concerned with that. I just question that with the way the teams score in the Big 12 and and how quarterback-driven that league is, quarterback-driven and offense-driven, I just don't know that, again, Jalen Hurts is on the level of a passer that will make an offense like that go. So Oklahoma better figure it out a little bit on the defensive end if he's going to play for them. I just – it's surprising because he is really a classic game manager. And you could see when he came in against Georgia, he he had improved a little bit. You could tell. But I still don't think he's as great of a passer as, you know, even – I would say that as a passer, he's a step below even a Will Greer or something like that. And to me, that's just – it's an odd fit. It's a very odd fit because it's such a different environment, such a different league, such a different type of game that is played in the Big 12 as opposed to the SEC. Yeah, I could have seen him staying in in the SEC, maybe going to a lower-tier school, maybe going somewhere like Tennessee or Mississippi State or something like that. Uh, Jimmy, you made a great point. It's going to be Lincoln Riley's third offense in three years. That's got to be incredibly difficult. I, I mean, you're used to having a quarterback for at least two years, if not more. So trying to develop a, another offense, that's going to be very difficult for him, I believe, even though I have full confidence that he can do it. I feel like that man could could make an elite-level quarterback out of me or anyone. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's kind of go in real quick. Let's go into who we think is going to make the biggest noise. I'll kind of start off here. I think it's a very obvious answer. I think Justin Fields, um, like I said, last year's number one overall recruit, not even just number one over a quarterback, uh, he beat out Trevor Lawrence for both of those titles as Lawrence was number two overall, number two quarterback. Um, I think he's going to have a chance to play immediately at Ohio State now that Tate Martell has left and Dwayne Haskins is entering the draft. They don't have anyone left, so it has to be him, right? So I guess we're going to finally get to see what made this guy such an exciting prospect. And, yeah, I think that's going to it's going to make Ryan Day's adjustment to have full-time head coach a little bit easier. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit in a different direction. I like the Brandon Wimbush to UCF move. I think... In that system, I think he's going to do really well. He's a mobile quarterback. They're going to use him running the ball a lot. Josh Heupel's another one of these guys that I feel really good about Wimbush working with him. So I think UCF got a good one, especially, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Mackenzie Milton. And, you know, this is a guy who has won. You know, I mean, he hasn't been, he hasn't necessarily been great doing it, but he's he's won games at Notre Dame. He's won some big games too. So you get a guy with that experience 
you sort of work out some of the other deficiencies. So because you said fields, that seems a little too easy. I really like the uh, the Wimbush move to um, to UCF. So I'll throw out Tate Martell. Just <laughs> yeah, <to> <laughs> of it. I am interested to see how Tate, if he can play. I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. No, I don't know much about him. What what do we think? Is he, is he? I mean, obviously he has to be an upgrade from Malik Rozier or and, and whoever else they had there. Well, is, any of us sure. in this room would yeah. be an upgrade from Malik yeah. Rozier. So I would go biggest thing for me, biggest storyline with that move is that he gets to work with Dan Enos, who is the quarterbacks coach at Alabama. He's moved on now to Miami. Guy who did a lot for Tua, guy who did a lot for Jalen Hurts, as we just talked about. So I'm interested to see what he can do for Tate Martell. Guy is really athletic, I think has a lot of tools to become a big-time college quarterback if he can develop with Dan Enos. All right, folks. Well, that is all we have for this week. Uh, Thank you for coming back to our kind of of end-of-season wrap-up show. Uh, Stick with us as we get into... Some pre-combine stuff, some some pre-NFL draft stuff. That'll be coming your way. Um, so, yeah, just stay tuned. Keep checking the, the Twitter page, the, the podcast app, the website, and uh, come back.